coming up on The Medicine Podcast. A big learning for me this year has been the relationship between cortisol, liver health, and sleep. I have struggled with sleep for years, specifically wake-ups anywhere from 2 to 4 a.m. usually. Mm -hmm. Wake-ups out of bed, sweating, adrenaline, energy, clearly cortisol running through my veins. Cortisol being the stress hormone. So I do a pretty robust liver cleanse as well as a parasite cleanse. And over the course of a couple weeks, I passed the gnarliest stuff through my poop, (laughs) the sweat that was coming out of my armpits, was very stinky, (laughs) potentially toxic. And what's funny is like, I live such a clean life. I would have never just expected my liver to be backed up. So I do this cleanse, I pass a ton of parasites, sweat like crazy. And about a week after sort of this, this very tangible cleanse, I begin to sleep like a baby, like a baby. Welcome back to The Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi, and I am sitting here with my lover, my king, my magician, Chase. What is going on, everybody? We are coming in hot from the greatest place in the world. Our haven. Our haven. Priest Lake, Idaho, coming at you with an Under the Red Hat episode where we are talking about three learnings Uh from 33. And guess what? If you're listening on the day that this episode dropped. It's my birthday. 34 years old. Never been better. Looking as beautiful as ever. (laughs) Yeah. 34. It's always weird, like jumping to a new number and you're like, 34. Okay. I have to make my mouth say this new, new number. Well, I'm excited. We're taking a little time to reflect on 33 because I've got now two months of living at the age of 33. Um, But even as I turned 33, I had done some reflection on even just things that I've learned this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of coincided with the fact that, you know, we're having a podcast episode right now and you're turning 34 and we've got some cool takeaways to share that in the middle of all these guests and all of these amazing Mm -hmm. things we had to talk about, it's super important to just like pull off the gas for a minute and reflect on some of the the wins, Mm -hmm. some of the things that we've actually learned from the last, let's just say year or so. Yeah. And we were actually talking about this last night. We're sitting on the end of the dock, just you and I, and uh, we like, we like to sit out there in the evening and just calm our nervous system from the busy day and talk and reflect and laugh and joke and all of that. And we were just sitting in a moment of gratitude. Um, I think we're holding hands and just talking about like, man, I love our life. I love our life that we're creating. And it feels so good to be able to say that. And then I just had this moment where I was like, well, part of the the process of creating a life that you love is being able to recognize and integrate the lessons that are coming your way. And if we are recognizing, accepting, and integrating the lessons that are available to us, hopefully we are acquiring more experience and wisdom for our life. Yeah. That experience and wisdom are more, you know, there are more tools in your toolbox of life that are hopefully additive to this creation of a life that you love. So, I think that that's like the, I'm like, isn't this the point of life that we are creating something we love through the vehicle of 
acquired wisdom from the lessons that are coming at yeah. us. And I, I, I think that this is like perfect timing to have this episode um, just because I, I firmly believe that it's important to reflect on, hey, what are the like recent lessons that have come my way? Have I integrated them? Do I need to continue to work in this area? Am I past this? Just kind of reflecting on that. It should be getting better, mm-hmm. right? Like life should be getting better Notice I'm saying better, not less challenging. Yes. I think it's going to continue to get challenging, more challenging, just as challenging. But what changes is you start to realize that you don't need to suffer through the challenge. When you start to pick up on the fact that the challenge is the medicine, mm-hmm. it's actually the growth mechanism through which you can tear those muscle fibers apart, if you will, only to regain them, recover them, restore them, and push forward with strength and resilience such that you can heal and become stronger into the next space. Mm-hmm. So when I say getting better, it means you go, oh, I've been here before. I felt like this before. And guess what? I don't need to suffer because I know what's on the other side of this. That's growth. That's evolution. And so that's what's exciting about taking a hot minute to just reflect for a second. Hey, what have I learned? Where I'm at right now, because it's not necessarily like super easy, but I probably have a few more tools in my tool belt this time around Mm -hmm. to be able to look at the circumstances at hand and go, dude, I'm going to get through this and it's going to be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're going to do today is alternate back and forth, um, sharing three lessons each in the category or aspects of our life of body, mind, and relationship. Per usual, we talk about the medicine for the body, the mind, and the relationship. So we're going to pick each uh, few lessons Mm -hmm. and share them. But first, before we get into it, I got to know, we don't have cups today, but I got to know what capsule you took. What's in your capsule today? (laughs) Because we both took some capsules before we hit record and I got to know, what did you encapsulate (laughs) and take before we recorded? Well, thankfully, they were already encapsulated um, as I swallowed them down. But I actually took some uh, Kratom before we podcasted. Uh, It's the, I think it's called Super Speciosa. Yes. We're not affiliated with this brand Not affiliated with this brand, uh, but we just just love this brand. And and Chase has done a lot of the grunt work on researching Kratom that's... uh, third-party tested and super quality and not, you know, full of a bunch of heavy metals and stuff. So, um, we love taking Kratom. We, we, I, I take it probably once a week, if that, usually before a podcast or an interview, it just lifts you up a little bit and provides, it, it, um, a little extra oomph or yeah. zhuzh yeah. in the old, the old thinker. <laughs> <laughs> Not the stinker. Not the stinker. No, I love that. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate for for moderate kratom use. Yeah. And when I say moderate, I mean probably no more than once or twice a week. Yeah. It has addictive qualities. It can be disruptive to your liver, which I'm going to get into today. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely take it with moderation. But I absolutely love it for the occasional uh, euphoria bump, for the occasional cognitive uh, boost. And so huge fan of kratom mm-hmm. and super specioso, I think, is the brand. Um, that's been the one that I've been trying lately and, and really liking. Yeah. I think this, this strain is called green Bali. Yeah. Um, and I like taking the capsules. Kratom is available in powder, like loose powder that you can like stir into water. Yeah. It tastes bad. 
that it like makes me gag just thinking about it. <laughs> the capsules are really nice. Obviously, you don't taste it really. Um, so yeah. What yeah. about you, my love? What's uh, in your capsule? <laughs> <laughs> Encapsulated uh, in my body right now is one thousand milligrams or one gram if you will of lion's mane mushroom baby wow, why nice. because organifi decided to come up without with a capsuled product of lion's mane mushroom that is 100 percent fruiting body lion's mane mushroom and uh, organifi as of about a couple months ago has been offering lion's mane at a higher dose so if you're familiar with the product pure from organifi which i advocate for it's a cognitive supporting product it really helps you dial in and focus uh, we took that and essentially tripled the amount of lion's mane and put it into a capsule so that you can get more of that uh, direct dose lion's mane. And I've been really loving it. I actually mixed it with a little bit of Organifi's collagen. We mm. recently came out with a collagen product as well at Organifi, uh, one that I am a huge advocate for. It's a very, very high quality collagen. And so if anybody is interested in getting either one of these or checking either one of these out, you can of course go to Organifi.com. And you can use the code MimiFit for 20% off. Mm -hmm. And you can try the Lion's Mane capsule. It's called Focus. Um, and you can try the Organifi Collagen. Really, really high quality. Recommend both for anybody who hasn't tried either one of those. Yeah. And the the collagen, I, I put in my coffee every single morning. And you get an extra 10 grams of protein. Right. Which is like we're going to talk about later today. But... If you're trying to get extra protein in your day, collagen is an easy, easy win. You just want to make sure that it's high quality and bioavailable. And that's what I love about Organifi's is it's, it uses four different kinds of collagen from eggshell protein, bone broth, um, and uh, grass-fed beef and marine. It mixes well with pretty much anything because it's flavorless mm -hmm. and... Yes, it's fun to have flavors every now and then, but sometimes what comes with flavoring is bad garbage. ingredients yeah. and garbage. And uh, so I was actually a huge advocate over the fact that we just decided not to flavor this one at all. And you can mix it with pretty much anything, yogurt, tea, mm -hmm. milk, water. Mm -hmm. um, so check it out. Hearing a ton of great things from people who have been using the Organifi Collagen. Yep. Yep. It's, it's great. Um, we'll have a link in the show notes for you guys if you want that. Guys, if you are loving the medicine, we wildly appreciate you letting us know and mm -hmm. you can hit us up directly both of us are on instagram at all times trying to respond to all direct messages but even more um supportive is sharing one of these episodes on your social media mm -hmm. um, even just word of mouth telling your friends or family about it um jumping on youtube giving us a, a subscribe because we all of our videos go on youtube and commenting on the videos that is very helpful for the algorithms to be able to pick up and and share this type of content with others who might be interested mm -hmm. and so we would really really appreciate it if you let us know what you think yep we appreciate you listening and even if you don't share or whatever just that you're here listening and trying to improve your life and educate yourself and expose yourself to new ideas honestly just so much love all around and if you love any of the products we ever talk about that includes our own products mushy love latte immune intel ahcc you can jump on our newsletter. It's called The Medicine Drop. If you go to themedicine.com, you should see a pop-up uh, that gives you the option to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And what we do in that newsletter, in addition to recommending a host of other health benefits, we might give you some recipes. We're going to give you a link mm -hmm. to our weekly podcast. But we also give you a chance to enter for a free product giveaway. And we give away a free product every single 
week of the year. So if you're on that newsletter uh, subscription, you'll get a usually somewhere around Wednesday or Thursday, mm -hmm. a medicine drop email, and you'll see the offering for a free product giveaway as well as a bunch of other goodies. And so it would be awesome if you jumped in on that. Mm -hmm. And just so you know, these are not products that are donated to us. These are straight from yes. our overflow medicine cabinet. So um, yeah, just to say thank you and we love you. Awesome. Well, right. let's get into it. Let's do it. We're going to start with body and I'll let you go first. You what want me to go first. is your 33 year old learning for your body? Yeah. So it's not the, it's not as if I've just learned this in year 33, but it was really cemented for me. And it was something that I really leaned into intentionally. And that is the prioritization of protein on a daily basis. And I didn't realize, I, I realized in the last year or so, as I've been tracking my protein and making sure that I'm getting enough based on my movement and activity and composition goals and everything like that, that for the large majority of my life, like I'm talking up until probably age 31, maybe 30, I was sorely under eating both calories and protein uh, on most days. Of course, there's days where you splurge or you go out to eat or you have dessert or this or that, or you just have a random day where you get a ton of protein. But for the most part, I have been under eating protein and calories for most of my life. And you, I didn't you don't realize that until you start actually tracking, yeah. until you use an app of some kind to be just uh, to have all the information. It's so easy to be like, well, yeah, I eat meat. I'm probably getting enough, but I'm talking like now I have the goal of about 130 to 140 grams of protein per day. And probably for most of my life, I was eating under a hundred. Yeah. And, and I would recommend most people who are active, look at 0.8 grams to one gram per pound of body weight yeah. as it pertains to how many grams of protein you should be getting per day. Right. And so it's like, uh, or you can do lean body mass is what a lot of people do. So, um, you know, lean body mass or your ideal body right. weight ideal is body what, weight. A, That's what, a, what a lot of people use. Cause, yeah. um, so, you know, if you're, if you're about 130, 140, 150 pounds, right around 120 to 140 would probably be a good window. If you're active, if you're lifting, if you're, uh, if you're just sedentary, you probably don't need that much. Um, but if you're active in any way, um, yeah, like you said, 0.8 to one gram of protein per pound of ideal body weight. Yeah, it's so good. And and that's a uh, very similar one to myself as far as like what I've really intentionally focused on as, uh, as it pertains to my health this year, because I would have told you, you know, a year or two ago, oh, I get plenty of protein. Yeah. I eat a ton of meat yeah. and eggs. And what's crazy is when I started counting and tracking, I was like, oh my God, I am way under. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think like, oh yeah, I, I eat meat at dinner and then I take a protein supplement. You know, I take protein powder. Well, dude, if you're eating a serving of, let's say it's, it's beef or chicken, most people who eat relatively moderately are getting maybe 40 to 50 grams of protein in that meal. And then the protein supplement is probably around 20 grams of protein, mm -hmm. maybe 25. And so if that's all the protein that you're having over the course of the day, if you're a 175 pound male like myself, 
you are well below half of what you need to mm-hmm. be getting on a daily basis. And so when I started to look at this, I was like, holy yeah. shit. Especially if you fast for any amount of time. If you fast, it really shortens that window to get all your protein in. Mm-hmm. And your body really only absorbs around 50 to 60 grams of protein at a time is what they say. And of course, there, it's really hard to track that and everybody is quite individual, but safely assume that somewhere around 50 to 60 grams of protein is all that your body can absorb at once. So if you're fasting for prolonged periods of time and you're, you're having two meals within you know three hours, good luck trying to absorb all yeah. of that protein. Yeah. And then the other thing is that even protein at like 10 grams or 15 grams may not take you if you're in a fasted state from catabolic to anabolic. Mm -hmm. So you may not shift from that stress response where you are breaking down your body into the anabolic response, the restorative response that would be growth uh, affirmative. Mm -hmm. And so having a large portion of protein after a fast, let's say in the morning at your first meal, so freaking important. It's also wildly important for just calorie Mm -hmm. uh, regulation throughout the day. If you eat a high protein meal, your first meal of the day, you are going to be significantly more satiated throughout yeah. the rest of the day and want and be it's better set up to avoid extra calories in the form of shitty carbs or yeah. shitty fats. And so if you're having a tough time, you don't even like the activity of tracking, just track protein for a little while. Just monitor your protein. And so like maybe you can share what that looks like mm-hmm. for you. What of course chicken, beef, poultry, pork, mm-hmm. eggs. Those are really traditional forms of protein that everybody thinks yeah. of, but maybe what else is there? Cause mm-hmm. there's a lot of ways to get quality protein. Yeah. Well, like I already mentioned at the beginning of the episode, collagen is a really great way to get an extra 10 grams of protein in your coffee or in a smoothie or in tea. Like if you're getting one that's unflavored, that's a really great way. I would say also the jimmies that we make, the yeah, gelatin, we, we call them jimmies, but they're gelatin gummies. You can get grass-fed beef gelatin on Amazon. Perfect Supplements is a really good brand that we use or um, uh, Thrive Market has a brand that we use often. And I have uh, the recipe on my Instagram. I will link this, link that in the show notes. This is a recipe that I uh, have have basically perfected over the yeah. course of the last year. So these gelatin gummies are sort of like jello, you know, but they, they're made with real fruit, a little bit of maple, this gelatin uh, powder that um, hardens them up and you just cut them into little squares, snack on them, you know, have them with a meal or snack on them in between meals just to get more uh, protein in your day. Also, the gelatin is really great for gut support, um, healing gut lining. Um, all of that is really great. Um, I would say having a high quality, if you don't already, having a high quality protein powder is an absolute must. Unless you just love meat and want to eat meat like six times a day. I personally don't love that (laughs) eating meat at, you know, every, you know, every three hours or whatever of my day. So the protein powder is a a great tool. We use Keon protein, both the the vanilla and the chocolate. And then we also use Organifi protein, both vanilla and chocolate. Yeah. And I love to mix. Actually, we keep Keon vanilla, chocolate, Organifi vanilla and chocolate at all times. And it's really hard to get protein, like I'm mentioning in, uh, without getting just super full. So I like, instead of having meat 
you know, an hour or two before dinner that would make it hard to digest as I'm sleeping. I make this little like mousse. Mm-hmm. And so I put a scoop of Organifi protein, which has about 20 grams of protein and a scoop of chocolate, uh, Keon protein, a little uh, raw milk, just mix it up, put it in the freezer for like 20, 30 minutes. And it makes this like delicious ice cream type mousse. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more like digestible for the body before bed. It tastes good. And it gives me another 40 grams of protein mm-hmm. before I call it a day. Hey friend, if you deal with brain fog, memory lapses, and sluggish thinking, then you need to try Qualia Mind. When it comes to nourishing the brain, Qualia Mind is hands down the best that we've tried. When I take it, I feel less distracted and I notice that I spend less time searching for the right words, whether I'm writing or speaking. This is because Qualia Mind was designed by a team of committed scientists using the most bioavailable ingredients to support the four pillars of cognition, energy, focus, memory, and drive. After only a few days, most people feel more mental energy, deeper mental clarity, attention, and focus. In fact, if you don't have clearer thinking in 100 days, they'll give you your money back. And right now they are giving listeners of the medicine an insane deal. off your first order. To try the best brain fuel on earth, go to neurohacker.com forward slash the medicine. That's neurohacker.com forward slash T-H-E-M-E-D-I-C-I-N to get your first bottle for only $39. Or just check the show notes below for the direct link. Cheers to happy, productive brains and cheers to qualia mind. Okay, back to the show. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to come back to, you're, you're talking about, um, you know, fueling the, the first part of your day with a lot of protein. And that's uh, really great, obviously, for just getting protein in. But what you will notice is that protein, that when you up your protein, you are so much more satiated yeah. with your food. I thought of this because your meat is very satiating. It's very hard to binge steak, right. you know, because your body is getting so... But I could do it. <laughs> your body is getting so many nutrients. You're getting the signal from your body like, hey, we have enough to work with here. We don't need any more versus a bag of chips that has hardly any, you know, real usable bioavailable nutrients. Your body is not getting enough. So it's like, I'm still hungry, still hungry, still hungry because it's searching for these nutrients. Well, when you pack protein into your day, especially in the morning, then you're basically priming the rest of of your day to crave or to be satiated. And then when you are hungry, you're you're craving that satiation again because it feels so good to feel satiated at the end of the meal. So just for context, this is kind of where I'll end the the protein rant. In my day before 10 a.m., I have about 60 to 70 grams of protein already in my day. And what that looks like for me is collagen in my coffee. And then um, after I work out, I eat breakfast. Oh, oh, I also start with a Paleo Valley beef stick, which has about six to seven grams of protein. First thing, like within 30 minutes of waking up. And, um, And then with my breakfast, I usually have two eggs, two or three slices of turkey bacon. Um, And then I also have plain Greek yogurt with a scoop of vanilla protein mixed in. So all of that together is about 70 grams of protein before I even start my work day. And at the end of it, I'm so satiated. Like I can last probably five hours without getting hungry again, which sometimes is not great because I need to get more. But um, so... (sighs) 
we are breaking down the myth that, you know, you need to starve yourself to reach your yeah. fitness goals. This is something that I've just realized little by little over the course of my life until this point where it's like, no, I nourish myself with enough calories and enough protein and my body has what it needs to repair and then rebuild and build new muscle, which is how you yeah. reconstruct your body composition. I would even encourage people who are cutting or trying to lose weight to some capacity, not to adjust the amount of protein, yeah. maybe less fatty cuts of protein or cuts of meat. If you want to watch calories, but, but from a grams of protein standpoint, mm -hmm. adjust carbs and fats, but stick to your protein goals. You will continue to build, build, uh, energy, stores muscle at a significantly better rate than you would should you cut out a significant portion of that protein so i go on at this for length I know. because it's it could so be a whole important episode. but um it resonates for me as well um anything else before i jump into to my learning um, yes i would say the last thing that uh you know i mentioned tracking and you know in the last year and a half i've really gotten more into tracking and before that i had a, sort of a negative view of tracking. I didn't like it. I would always tell people like, I hate tracking. I hate tracking. I hate tracking. And then, but when you work with a coach, uh, you know, they want to see like, what are you doing? What are you eating? What are you filling your day with? And so it was sort of necessary. And so I just kind of forced myself to, I invited myself rather into a new um, attitude towards tracking where I had this negative view of it because I, I've, you know, lived in orthorexic tendencies in my early twenties. And now it's, it's not, I'm in there, I'm interacting with this tool in a different way. And so if you've had a negative view of tracking, I'm not saying you have to, but there is a way that you can interact with this tool in a healthy way. It's just a tool, like anything else is a tool. And how we interact with it, how we think of it is really um, what kind of shapes our experience with the thing. Yeah. So now I use uh, MyFitnessPal, the app, to make sure that I'm nourishing my body enough, not making sure that I'm not eating more than I should, quote unquote, yeah. like I used to. So now it's like, it's all about nourishment, baby. Yeah, totally. I, I, I've found pretty much every lane of my health life better with yeah. adequate, appropriate levels of protein. That is hormones, that is sleep, that is my vitality, my libido, um, my muscle building. Even as I've been on, on the road and I've been up here for you know four or five weeks straight and calories all, all, all over the place. Some days are way over, some days way under, but I've stuck to protein. And I, as far as how I felt, this has been better than any other travel experience that I've ever had. Uh, muscle has main, maintained on my body, um, continuing to feel strong and vital. And so I, I really chalk a lot of that up to protein. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Great. You want to move on to your body yeah, learning? So learning from the year 33, which has really only been about two months for me, but a big learning for me this year has been the relationship between cortisol, liver health, and sleep. And so I'm going to read a few things here because it gets a little like sciencey. Um, and I've talked about this or hinted at this a few times in previous episodes, but a huge breakthrough for me because I have struggled with sleep for years, specifically wake-ups anywhere from 2 to 4 a.m. usually. Mm -hmm. Wake-ups out of bed, sweating, adrenaline, energy, clearly cortisol running through my veins. Cortisol being the stress hormone. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to break down a little science and why this might be happening, how the relationship between cortisol, adrenal exhaustion, or adrenal fatigue, um, liver health, and sleep. 
Cortisol is the body's main stress hormone secreted by the adrenal glands as a response to stress. We did a stress episode, I think it was on May 29th, nine tips for stress. We go into stress and how it can be both physical, but it can also be mental and emotional. And all of that contributes to the release of cortisol. Compromised adrenal function leads to the underproduction of cortisol, which then causes these symptoms of what is called adrenal fatigue. That includes liver issues, liver shutdown. What I did not know is that there's a direct correlation between cortisol levels and liver disease. High cortisol, a hallmark of these stages of adrenal fatigue or adrenal exhaustion, will promote fat deposits in the liver and is associated with a higher incidence of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which I didn't even know what that was. It sounds like this really scary word, like a oh, fatty liver disease must be for fat people, <laughs> you know, like no clue, but it's important not to overlook the liver health because of its correlation with adrenal exhaustion, which many healthy people get. You work out a ton. You have a lot of stress running through your veins. Uh, maybe your life stress is added to that. You're a high achiever. And all of a sudden your adrenals are very, very fatigued, hitting this syndrome of exhaustion, which I had in my twenties. So after we got divorced, had a lot of life stress, I was working out all the time, even more than I do now. And I was working a very, very busy job partying 27 years old. I had low cortisol after having periods of very high cortisol, which was chalked up as adrenal exhaustion. Took me some while to recover, but I, but I eventually got back to the point where I felt great. Testosterone went back to normal, blood work went back to normal, but over the last, you know, five years since I've, I've had this adrenal exhaustion, there will be these bouts of fatigue or stress that I will get. And I'll have these little like flashback moments in my body of what it was like to feel the adrenal exhaustion, which at the time was significantly low, very, very low energy. Um, I was anemic. I was, my iron was deficient. I lost 30 pounds over the course of a couple months, et cetera, et cetera. Very, very unwell. And I'll get these little moments, these flashback moments in my body. So even though small fluctuation, cortisol is not bad necessarily. We go into that uh, at length in our stress episode, but at high levels within the body, it's just not tolerable for daily living over long periods of time as it, as it turns chronic. And then unfortunately, the liver is one of these things that is seldom addressed around the conversation of adrenal exhaustion. Because if you look up adrenal exhaustion, you're not going to hear much about the liver, oddly enough. And it's because the symptoms of liver issues stay really quiet for long periods of time. It's not the first thing that shows up when you have adrenal fatigue. Usually it's like your testosterone dropping or for women. A lot of times it's like your period going away altogether. You know, I was losing my hair. Some of these other symptoms show up first, but your liver is taking a beating. And this can oftentimes be made worse by the fact that you take supplements for your adrenal exhaustion that are metabolized and processed by the liver. So, and, and then if these supplements aren't necessarily adaptogenic or healthy, like say ashwagandha, which is quite healthy and adaptogenic, but it's more along the lines of like, wow, my energy's low. I'm going to take caffeine. Wow. My, I'm, I'm really having a hard time engaging. I'm going to take Kratom. Well, this takes an additional burden on the liver to metabolize and process those things. So as time goes on, the liver, if unaddressed, will continue to increase its workload and its function begins to just get very, very marginalized. Weakening metabolism, fatigue, digestive problems, sluggishness, or like myself, ended up being this sleeplessness. 
It's like the clogged water pipe idea. You know, excess input will only create a backlog such that it begins to really spill mm -hmm. over. So how does this relate to sleep? It is actually during the period of about 1 to 3 a.m. that the liver works hardest to cleanse and detoxify mm -hmm. the body. The liver's primary function is this detoxifying, cleansing mechanism of the body. 3 a.m. is usually when this occurs. Normally, this goes quite uninterrupted. But when you have a liver that is slow, that is stagnant, or has an accumulation of all of the things that we previously mentioned, toxins and some of this other garbage, mm -hmm. you will start to require more energetic output for the liver to be able to cleanse or mm. be able to address the the stagnation. Oftentimes you might even have parasites that creep into the liver. They love to, to hang out in the liver, liver, liver flukes. flukes. Yeah. And at nighttime parasites uh, awaken. So they will actually add to this sort of like late night wake up issue and trigger your nervous system uh, completely online at this, the oddest of hours. And so it took me a while to realize that this was the case. In fact, I was just having a long conversation with the formulator of Organifi's products, uh, Shanai, who's been on the medicine mm -hmm. way back. Um, and she was like, oh, have you ever done a liver cleanse? And I was like, uh, not really. Yeah. Because you, you were telling her about the sleep issues. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's just, you know, must be my, my over aggressive, over energized nature my, you know, workaholic over here. And she's like, well, if you had adrenal exhaustion, you know, your adrenals sit right on your liver and they impact your liver, you know, tremendously, you should do a liver cleanse. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I do a pretty robust liver cleanse as well as a parasite cleanse. And almost immediately, probably a week after the cleanse. And what I mean by the cleanse is I took, I did a host of things and I'll start with kind of the full list and, and, I'm not a health expert, but look into it if you would like to, mm -hmm. to know more. But it started with citrus water, lemon water, and minerals every single morning on an empty stomach. It included burdock root from Dr. Cowan's uh, supplement protocol. It included tudka from microbe formulas. It included mimosa seed extract from microbe formulas. Um, it included Organifi's liver detox product, which you can find at OrganifiShop.com. It included numerous coffee enemas, lots of king coffee that have reishi anti-parasitic spores. Uh, spores in them. And over the course of a couple weeks, I passed the gnarliest stuff through my poop. <laughs> the sweat that was coming out of my armpits was very stinky, <laughs> potentially toxic. And what's funny is like, I live such a clean life. I would have never just expected my liver to be backed yeah. up because you expect liver to be backed up for people who don't eat organic yeah. foods, yeah. who live in highly toxic cities or urban environments. But mine was actually just the fact that my liver had been negatively impacted by mm -hmm. my adrenal exhaustion. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, wasn't properly just cleansing normal yeah. toxic exposure. And we live on a busy street corner and right. we're sitting on our deck. Like we live in a city in 2023. There's no way to completely get away from like environmental toxins there. So that's just like the icing on the cake. So I do this cleanse. I pass a ton of parasites, sweat like crazy. I'm doing lots of saunas as well. I'll take an activated charcoal going into the saunas, just dripping. And about a week after sort of this, this very tangible cleanse, I begin to sleep like a baby, like a baby. 
even through our Egypt experience yeah. where we're on the road all over the place, I'm sleeping we just had COVID soundly yeah. and my hormones pick up, you know, my, my testosterone has been really solid for, for years now at this point, but it bumped up to like muscle building, super jacked levels. I felt like I was 18 years old <laughs> and all of it has to do with the fact that my liver went unaddressed from my adrenal exhaustion, from yeah. my stress, regardless of the fact that I've lived quote unquote clean for years mm -hmm. now, but because I neglected or did not know the relationship between stress, cortisol, adrenal fatigue, exhaustion, uh, sleeplessness and liver, I had just been in mystery land of why the hell this was happening mm -hmm. to me. So huge learning for 33 was that when it comes to stress and cortisol, do not neglect your mm -hmm. uh, critical organs, your drainage pathways, specifically your liver. I know kidneys can take a burden as well. Uh, the lymph system can take a burden as well. And so I highly recommend whenever you have issues like sleeplessness, because I took all the sleep supplements and they were band-aids. Yeah. I encourage anyone when it comes to the order of operations for issues that you might be having, do not forget your drainage pathways. Do not forget your vitamins and your mineral levels before you get into taking supplements that might only be treating symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that you experienced that and you were able to reap the benefits tangibly in, in quite a short amount of time, yeah. honestly. Uh, it was like a week, two weeks before you were really feeling like, holy crap, this is this is doing something. I'm benefiting from this. And you, that's not always the case, especially with like health supplements. Right. Sometimes it takes months to feel any different. Yep. And it, it speaks to the badassery of the liver that right. it, I mean, it's, it's the only organ that, that can like regenerate itself. And it speaks to just how resilient we really are once it has the support and tools that it needs to get the job done that it was supposed to do in the first place. Yeah. So if any of this resonates with, with you, I would suggest talking to someone who's a naturopath or a, a holistic health coach who might be well adept at interpreting maybe some of your symptoms and how they might relate, yeah. but it, but it would be worth bringing this up. Like, Hey, I'm struggling with sleeplessness. Hey, I, ha I think I have adrenal exhaustion. Am I addressing my liver properly? Mm -hmm. Just bring it up with an advocate or your, um, holistic practitioner, nu nutritionist. Yeah. Um, definitely don't do it alone. Have someone who really knows what they're yeah. doing. Um, suggest the protocol and the specific types because I am no doctor or health expert, no. but use this as a little nudge to just start asking questions with uh, the person in your life who's an advocate for your health. And if you don't have someone that you trust in that way, like a holistic health practitioner, you can always reach out totally. to us. We have yeah. so we many do. connections and people that we we send people to all the time. So um, depending on what you're working with, depending on your budget, depending on other things, um, you know, we can, we can connect you and point you yeah. in the right direction. All right. Moving on to learning number two for each of yeah. us. And this is under the umbrella of mind and yes. mindfulness and spirituality. Mm -hmm. But we talk about body, mind and relationships. And this is where we're unpacking the learning from the age 33 as it pertains to our mind. Yes. So, my mind lesson. Um, of course, there's there's many. <laughs> As we're sharing these, this could be a five hour long episode talking about our lessons in 33. But one of the main ones for me in this area was building awareness around how I interact with technology. 
And I'm not even saying that I fully have it down, that I'm fully there, that I fully get it, that I'm never going to change or alter what I'm doing or that I won't need breaks from time to time. But in 2023, especially with an online business, a podcast, we're trying to reach more people via the internet every single week. We interact with technology a lot. Yeah. And I had been feeling for months on end, I had been feeling just this gnawing at me when I interact with Instagram or Twitter or, you know, posting and stuff like that, that it just started to feel really heavy. And it was, but simultaneously, it was like, well, I want to keep doing it because it has this addictive nature, right? And so I just have been, you know, turning the light on, shining the light on different areas of my psyche where I can feel that perhaps the technology that I interact with has been using me more than I've been using it intentionally. And so then from there, really reflecting on how what what small adjustments can I make such that one, this feels better for my mind, my psyche, relationship-wise, And how do I do this in a way that is still supportive of our mission and our business and trying to reach more people and put good information out there? Like, it's a necessary tool in our life. We can't just throw it completely out. Hey, friend, are you like me looking for ways to age gracefully and beautifully, but also naturally? If so, then we must be aware of the nutrients that we are gifting our body and cells to resist premature aging. One of my favorite ways to do that is with Tremella Mushroom. Tremella has been used for centuries for its unmatched cellular hydration, aka healthy glowing skin, by holding 500 times its weight in water. I get my daily Tremella with Mushy Love Latte. This is Chase and I's delicious mushroom elixir that we formulated from scratch to support healthy, hydrated skin cells, shiny, strong hair, gut health, and robust immunity. My favorite way to enjoy Mushy Love is blended with cold milk. It seriously tastes like liquid graham crackers. You can also enjoy it steamed or blended into your vanilla protein shake or as a cinnamon swirly coffee creamer. To grab yours, go to getmushylove.com and use the code MEDICIN, M-E-D-I-C-I-N, for a nice discount. Cheers to aging gracefully and naturally. And so for me, what that has looked like is just first just asking the question, like, how can I change? How can I alter? How can I adjust in in small ways first? And so what that has looked like is, you know, leaving my phone uh, in the condo when we go for our evening walk every single night or in the morning when I go for a walk, instead of listening to anything, listening to music or a podcast or answering DMs, trying to be efficient, I just bucket those times for self-reflection, for thinking, for creative processes, and for you know connection with you in the evening. So that's just like a little adjustment. And then what I've also been doing when I'm using technology, so say I'm on Instagram, 
Say I go on there to post a story about the episode that drops this week. I do this all the time where I'll go on there, I'll post, you know, hey, this is the episode that dropped, whatever. And then I am, I, before I know it, I've been scrolling, you know, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I got other work to do. This isn't what I want to be doing right now. But there's this sucking in nature. There's this addictive nature that's just like, oh, I'll just check real quick or I'll just scroll a little bit. And that, that, you know, turns into five or 10 or 20 minutes. And so what I've been doing is when I see, when I go onto my Instagram, I always have a purpose, whether that's, Hey, I'm just going into answer DMS, or I'm just going in to post this, um, doing my best to have a, a purpose every time I go in there. And then when I am scrolling, the second that I realize that I'm scrolling past the point of what's necessary, I jump out because you can recognize, Oh, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling and you keep doing it. You realize like, I need to get off this. I need to do something one different. More. Let me just one find one, one one more thing to make me laugh or one more thing to send Chase or one more helpful tip, whatever, one more good quote. And it's just, it's a, it, it's a never ending loop. And so those are just a few things that I've done, just little adjustments. And then I also had a couple days up here in the last five weeks that we've been at the lake where I've completely just left my phone off all day. And obviously that's a little bit more radical because I'm not able to, um, you know, interact with people, answer questions, do stuff for our business. So that's not necessarily something I can do all the time, but it is, I think, something that I'll want to do at least like once a quarter. And I think that that's really healthy just as a reminder to yourself that like <laughs> this thing isn't using me, I'm using it very intentionally. Um, and I think this is an area that all of us in 2023, whether you have a business on the internet or whether you just have a personal social media, <sighs> we're, technology is not going away. Like you said, we need to be evaluating if what, how and what we're using it for is still benefiting us and being sensitive to how it is affecting your relationship with your partner. That's another aspect that I haven't even touched on is that when we're both in scroll mode, we're not engaging with each other. And if we're completely unconscious to that, things might start to feel distant without us even really knowing why. And I'm not saying that that we're there at all. I think we do a good job of of making sure that we're intentional with our our quality time spent together, but it is something just to be aware of and for the listener to be aware of. Well, neither one of us do the um I, th- I forget what it's called. There's a there's there's a coined term for it now where you're basically ghosting someone right in front of them because you're yeah. on your phone. Yeah. And uh, we don't do that, but if we're let's just say we have a 15 minute conversation and then there's a little break and we check our phones and then we try to get back into a conversation, mm-hmm. you actually lose a lot of momentum when it comes to connection yeah. and empathy and compassion just by disengaging yeah. and putting your consciousness into another universe for a minute. Mm-hmm. It's actually really hard. And I noticed that on these days that we've taken 24 hours of a break from our phones and our computers, how much more connected we are with the human beings that we're having conversation yeah. with. 
yeah. this is not scientifically validated or anything. I'm just telling you anecdotally, mm -hmm. the, the quality of our conversations were deeper. They were more rich. I found myself laughing from a, from a place that was significantly more uh, deep than it would mm -hmm. be. Should I just be scrolling through fucking memes that are hilarious, which I love those by the way. And I can, I'll continue to do them. Yeah. But there is something about the quality of human connection that gets lost uh, durationally as you even take little like Instagram snacks mm -hmm. every now and then. And this is nothing against Instagram or social media or the internet or checking your email because I also do not necessarily advocate for someone just completely disengaging, going off the grid and becoming little house on the prairie. Eh, if that's what you want to do, great. But I tend to be a part of culture, a part of society. I want to be a part of the solution. I want to be a part of integrating this really incredible thing that we have called technology and the internet and AI and you know quantum computing and all of these things that are likely to come in our lifetime with mindfulness, with mm -hmm. real medicines of the, the human body, mind and relationship. And so it is it is the journey that I'm willing to take yeah. and the challenge that I'm willing to be a part of is to learn how to integrate this. And if you are starting to think this way now, you're already ahead of the curve Yep. because in the next 50 to hundred years, we will be, there will be an entire industry, an entire domain of how do you have a healthy relationship with technology because of how much of the toxic byproduct is going to negatively impact mm -hmm. the human being themselves. You're already seeing it with depression and anxiety and attention disorders. If you can start thinking this way and getting ahead of this and building containers mm -hmm. around your use of technology now, you will be so far ahead of the curve. Yeah. And so I encourage anybody and everybody, I don't know if abstinence is the answer. Rather, it's learning how to integrate and create boundaries with these things. There are some of the most valuable brands in the world, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook. These groups have hired the smartest individuals on the planet to keep you on the device. You're yeah. likely not going to win. Yeah. I forget where I heard that <laughs> lately. Willpower. It's like, yeah. I, it might've been on, on Lex Friedman's podcast or something, but it's yeah. like, yo dude, you're not going to beat the smartest no. people in the world that are getting, making millions of dollars from these tech companies. No. Just, build the boundaries, build the protocol now yeah. and abstain. Discipline wins over willpower yeah. in, in many cases, in many different aspects yeah. of life. And this is certainly one of them. All right. So your mind learning. Mind learning from the age of 33. And this really started towards the end of last year. Uh, and it was with a conversation with Paul Check, but has uh, come up multiple times from different areas that I've been looking into, studying, learning, and most recently through a really nice articulation from our, our newest friend, Dr. Mark Goffney, in what he calls the three stages of consciousness. And so backing up a little bit, we were having a conversation with Paul Check around our upbringing, uh, something we've talked about even recently on the podcast, growing up in the Christian church and purity culture and how really that, that environment shaped my identity shaped my ego, shaped this structure with which I, I saw the world through that was quite uh, tragic when it broke apart, when I started leaving Christianity and challenging Christianity and had so much bitterness towards it for a long time. And Paul kind of gave this response of like, yeah, of course, that's <laughs> that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah, you're, you're supposed to create an ego so that you can break the ego, mm -hmm. so that you can break the ego down and take your egoic masks off. And I was like, huh, okay. Yeah, great. And then it came up multiple uh, other times. You know, I'm listening to Tim Ferriss and he's talking about, you know, this, this guy's the 
he's the most organized, orderly, structured human being on the planet. And he said something along the lines of like, well, you know, I've gotten to this point where I realized I only had to learn how to structure so that I could learn how to undo the structure, to, to transcend the structure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, okay, well, all right. I'm studying Ken Wilber and he talks about the relationship between uh, chaos and order and that how as human beings, but then as culture, we're constantly going through this cyclical phase, this swinging pendulum of order too orderly too structured break apart into chaos and freedom too much freedom too much chaos back to order and i'm like man there's this real this real nature of life this real rhythm of life that is like you start out with unlimited options and you you narrow down and you taper down and you build structure and order and then you get to this point where you might break through it or transcend it and as we were talking to mark goffney and as i'm reading his books and listening to his lectures He talks about the three stages of consciousness, what he calls pre-tragic, tragic, tragic, and post-tragic. And when I heard this, and and I'm going to read some of these excerpts from his books and then jump in with my own anecdotes and, and notes that I've taken, it just resonated through every layer, every lane of my life, all body, mind, relationship. These various stages ring so true. And so I'm going to get into the three stages of consciousness. So Mark says that there are three primary levels of consciousness through whose prism we experience our lives. We call these three levels the pre-tragic, the tragic, and the post-tragic. Starting with pre-tragic. This is the stage before tragedy occurs. Life is good. Life is delightful. Life makes sense. It's ordered and reasonable. It is pre-tragic consciousness, and everything just seems to be a-okay. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? This is the honeymoon phase in relationships. This is the belief phase. This is where you just believe something and you don't have any reason to doubt it. This is the the phase in the Garden of Eden story where life is perfect. You're one with God. What you don't know doesn't hurt you, right? Um, when you start a new workout, when you start a new diet and you're getting the results, you're like, this is the best thing ever. I'm going to do this my whole life. Um When you go on a vacation and you're like, I'm going to live here. I have to move here. There's nothing wrong with this place. This must be the place for me. Um, Or this is the religion. I just went through a a church ceremony. What are they called? Church session. Service. Service. (laughs) And um, this is God. This must be it. I just felt the the experience of the divine. Christianity must be it for me. Mormonism Mm -hmm. must be it for me. This is the pre-tragic phase. Until you get to the second level of consciousness, which is the tragic. This is where the goodness of life has broken up by the suffering that we feel when we are unable to explain why we are suffering, why there is challenge. Perhaps the suffering is actually more intense than we've ever experienced before. Our beliefs have been completely shaken. Doubt has crept in. Other evidence that threatens what we believed to be true prior to this has crept in. Our lives feel empty. We wonder if life is meaningless at large, and we are overwhelmed by the tragedy based on the information that has become available to us. And this is inevitable. Inevitable. This is an inevitable part of life. And and the thing is, is we may, many of us do, we continue to function. We continue to have love and there are moments of goodness and happiness. We may even be really effective. We may be quote unquote successful, but there is this underlying what Mark Goffney calls the joy mechanism that has been broken, shattered, cracked, 
does not feel stable. And we are cut off from that original natural joy we once felt that there is a primal aliveness mm -hmm. in us, that everything is essentially good and okay. And when that has been jeopardized, threatened, potentially broken, I think everybody who is close to being an adult or beyond being an adult has experienced this feeling. Yeah, for sure. This is when the relationship starts to get challenging. Mm -hmm. You're starting to fight. Maybe you've even broke up. This is when the person that you've looked up to, you're, this is the company that I should work for. This is the leader I should work for. This is the best coach. This is the best parent. This is the best president starts you start to pick up on their flaws and you realize that they've lied mm -hmm. you realize that they're human <laughs> this is when your entire year of keto that made you feel as healthy as possible is starting to jeopardize your hormones this is when intermittent fasting which helped you lose 20 pounds is now shoved you into adrenal exhaustion you can't sleep this is when your whole 30 that made you feel clean and filled with energy during the month of January has trickled into March and you're desperately craving a sweet potato. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. I can't remember what whole 30 actually includes. Mine includes sweet potatoes. This is when you go, damn, this is not everything chalked up to be shit. I shouldn't have moved here. I miss home. This is where you go for me, this religion thing, this Christianity thing has a ton of discrepancies. I'm unable to reconcile this. Why do people suffer? Why does God allow people to suffer? Most people live their lives at either level one or two when it comes to these levels of consciousness. And some people move from the pre-tragic to the tragic and go, fuck this. I'm going to go back to being ignorant. And they choose to rotate around different shallow zones of life that give them kind of that naive bliss. I don't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance yeah. is bliss. Other people get stuck in the tragic. And even if they're productive, even if they're uh, quote unquote succeeding, they feel a deep level of sadness mm -hmm. of maybe pessimism at worst nihilism and cynicism where you see the world half empty. I think a common, uh, common aspect of this is victimhood living yes. in uh, living as a victim because bad things have happened. Can't deny that. And you continue to live in the victimization of your circumstances, not going backwards and not moving forwards, just kind of like mucking around in the victim -y yeah. stuff. But there is a third level of consciousness available to you. This is the post tragic here, the person or culture, because this can happen culturally as well, which is, I think very much happening right now with the generations of mm -hmm. millennials to Gen Z. There's this sort of tragic nature where we're like, God damn it. Is this, <laughs> is this it? Is this the, the, what we've come to? It's all over from here. But once again, you can participate in the elemental joy of living. This happens when the individual is able to reconnect to the core spirit of reality, to the core aliveness of nature itself, to the cosmic erotic blood of the universe that Mark Goffney coins as Eros. This is where it may come from 
maybe some deep work. Maybe it's a, a deep study. Maybe it's being mentored by a wise elder. Maybe it's going into the jungles and doing ayahuasca. Maybe it is deepening with a lover and mm-hmm. you experience bliss on the other side or your your relationship is breaking apart, but you you get help, you apply tools and you actually work through the challenge and find that on the other side of that, it's more profound than it was even prior during mm-hmm. that phase of, of bliss and ignorance. Maybe it's just a maturity of letting go and understanding that you may not ever be able to understand this. You may not ever be able to understand God. And so the religion's wrong totally, but you're never supposed to understand it anyway. You're never going to be able to rationalize suffering and why bad shit happens to people. There is an evolution of a, a more organic worldview of an, an acceptance of the mystery mm-hmm. versus a fixed or defined worldview. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, homies. All right. Here's a question we get all the time. Is it okay for generally healthy people to take immune Intel AHCC or is it just for people with serious illness? This is a great question. And most of the world is aware now just how critical a healthy functional immune system is in order to maintain long-term health. But it's still easy to forget about your immune system until it's too late, until there's a breakdown somewhere, until your body is dealing with something quite serious. So what happens when generally healthy people take AHCC? Well, it's sort of like fixing the roof when the sun is shining. And now your house is much less likely to flood because of a leak. How does it do this? AHCC works like a boss to quickly enhance the immune system, cell function, and communication. For example, the NK, natural killer cells, these are white blood cells that specialize in attacking tumor cells and cells infected with viruses. AHCC has proven to increase your NK cells by up to 800% in a matter of weeks. And T cells, these immune soldiers are important because they help direct your body's immune response. Certain types of T cells can actually seek out and kill foreign invaders. And AHCC helps promote optimal T cell activity. I know that I want this intelligence in my body every single day. So Chase and I both take at least two capsules of Immune Intel AHCC every single day without fail. If you'd like to start blessing your body with this daily intelligence, go to themedicine.com forward slash products or just check the show notes below. Cheers, boo. This always comes from, and you can tell when you get to this place, some process of deepening the joy experience. The innocent experience of joy is shallow. It lacks a certain level of depth. It's great and it's beautiful and it's a taste of the nectar, but it doesn't have the depth of joy that the post-tragic stage of consciousness has. And yeah. our relationship is a perfect example of yes. that. We had a beautiful childhood romance all the way through to our marriage. Our marriage was an absolute tragedy. Our divorce was an absolute tragedy. And through the tools that were applied and the work that was done and through the divine intervention that took place, post-tragic Chase and Mimi relationship is deep and the joy is fucking deep. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's giggles and laughs, 
but it's joy from the depths of our souls at the same time. And so this just very, very much resonated for me as I kind of have been stirring on this idea for quite some time. And then, and then Dr. Mark Goffney just has, has articulated this thing perfectly yeah. because even in my relationship to Christianity, I've sat in this bitter, tragic spot for a long time. And even as I healed and got a little bit better, I sort of just existed with the underlying and under under um, current of bitterness still there. And while I still like to poke fun at it, I'm really in this process of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater as it pertained to the religion that I grew up in. And by no means am I coming back to Christianity. But what I am doing is starting to look at it and see the beauty and profound wisdom that is in embedded within it. I'm really excited because we get to talk to uh, Bob Peck who wrote the book, Original Sin is a Lie. And his big thing is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't have to be religious, but don't throw these religions out the window because within them are the intention to be really, mm -hmm. really deep, powerful, meaningful. Mm -hmm. You just don't need to take them literally. And so as I've gravitated towards this post tragic relationship to Christianity at large, I'm really, really curious as to some of the, not only uh, intention behind Jesus's teachings, but some of the intention of the old ancient mystical Hebrew that still to this day shows up in the the Christian Bible, the mm -hmm. Old Testament. And so um, that's one that's definitely stood out for me in the in the realm of mindfulness and and spirituality and religion is this this three level stage of consciousness, pre-tragic, tragic, and post-tragic that just resonates so mm -hmm. deeply and i see it all see it applied to everything yeah. applies to our relationship like i talked about it applies to your health like i've gone back and forth with with different diet protocols and workout protocols my my whole adult life and even something like let's just say the keto diet which i have had breakthroughs of profound benefit before in my life but also to the extreme they started to impact my hormones well that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad to throw it out. It just means that in excess or with two defined terms will have diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. How do you use this thing for, and not throw the baby out with the bathwater is kind of yeah. the, the relationship that I'm, that I'm at now with it. And so just, just looking at where those areas of life are, and then you can start to pick up on where you're at. Like, yeah. Hey, I might be in the tragic stage because I've just realized this thing isn't, isn't the best thing ever, but there's probably still some goodness to be had. So let me work through the challenge and learn how to integrate this and actually transcend the uh, confined box that I'm in right now to get to this post tragic phase. Yeah, I think this is a really cool framework. It, it's a simple framework. There's certainly other types or other, other language that you can use in the spirituality space or in the consciousness space. But the just the pre tragic and post makes it very simple to use that as a template to look at all the different aspects of your life and and kind of assess or evaluate where you're at in those three levels. Yeah. Um, in different aspects of your life. And I, I think that that's a, a really cool tool. And, you know, we haven't done this, but I would love to where you and I just sit down, you know, and look at the different aspects of our life and, and we assess with each other, like, right. where are we at and yeah. pre tragic or post and, and talk it out. I think yep. that that's, um, would be a really wonderful exercise. Um, and just kind of to take assessment on where you're at in life for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that framework. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the last category of today's yes. learnings and that is relationships. What for you, 33 years old, 33 years of life, <laughs> one full year at the age of 33, have you identified as a huge relationship learning? 
That was actually a perfect segue into my my next learning that I want to share as we dive into um, relationships. And I'm going to pull on an episode, an interview that we did with um, Lieutenant Commander uh, Navy SEAL Ed Heiner was a couple months ago. And, you know, we ask uh, the same question for every guest at the beginning. What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift it to every human? And his answer was really interesting. And I had never heard it before. He said the perspective of poverty. He grew up really poor trailer park. And it sort of gave him this really healthy perspective for the rest of his life. Gratitude, which is like, hey, I was here before in a trailer park. Anything is a step up from that. And it really um, informed the rest of his life and gave him this sense of gratitude. And I remember as we were talking to him, just starting the interview, we kind of gave the commentary like, yeah, I, I feel that in our relationship. And it is this post-tragic state where now having this experience of the tragic of our divorce and our separation and the pain that was involved in that we are we are so far past that and we've learned so much and we've applied so many new tools that i feel like i'm in this new phase of our relationship which is living in the gratitude of the perspective of poverty relationally because you know when we were fresh out of our divorce or a fresh uh, freshly back together in part 2 we weren't shy about talking about our divorce or separation, but things still stung mm-hmm. quite a bit. And uh, we, we've done so many, so much work in this area. We've had so many conversations and, and working through podcast interviews and just having this vehicle of the podcast has, has just been such an amazing learning opportunity, learning tool. And I really feel like I'm in this phase and, and um, I, this kind of just dawned on me after we had this conversation with him. And I wanted to read a a journal entry. Um, I journal frequently, not every morning, but frequently when things come to me in my morning quiet time. And this is kind of a spicy one. <laughs> All right. But it's really good. And it, it just speaks to this perspective of poverty, um, mostly in that, um, I just have a newfound gratitude for the scars that are left on the body of our relationship. And, you know, we run our hands over and you can feel the scar, you can feel that little bump, but it doesn't pain me as much as it used to. Um, and it, it doesn't hold the same level of like shame and guilt that it used to. Uh, and I'm really grateful for this new phase. So this journal entry is from back in May. I said, I woke up thinking about our sex. <laughs> uh, holy shit, it's magical. And afterwards, laying in a bed of a, uh, laying in bed in a pool of my own pleasure and his, I started crying. I had the thought, quote. It's so wild that I truly feel like our relationship is the epitome of everything I could want or hope for. He is so fucking good to me. 
He is my king, my rock, my magician, my lover. It was a moment where my entire being was just overwhelmed by how much I love him and our relationship. It's moments like that and experiences we have together that make us both think, I never want this to change. Pure ecstasy with the soul you love more than anything. Of course, change is the only constant. We know that. I'm so in love with the life that we have created together and will continue to create. I will never take him for granted. I remind myself often, sometimes involuntarily, of what life was like without him. We have a perspective of poverty, relationally, that neither one of us can or will forget. It informs our daily actions with one another. For that, I am very grateful for the separation that we had. Hmm. And I read that because... It was a moment of ecstasy that I was just overwhelmed by how much I love you. And that richness, that joy, that ecstasy is only available post-tragic in the way, in the level, at the level that it is because of our experience pre-tragic and tragic. Yeah. And this, this perspective of poverty now informs how I choose to show up in our relationship today. And I am so grateful for that. Yes, things still come up in conversation where it might sting a little bit here or there, but it's like 90% mm-hmm. improved from what it was when we first started part two. And I just, I, I want to recognize how proud I am of us and the work that we do and it's really a labor of love because the the small amount of effort that it takes to change habits or rewire some thinking or to adjust how we interact how we communicate if you really think about it it's a small amount of effort but the reward the roi is just crazy it's crazy huge and um i'm i'm just sitting in a lot of gratitude for that. Well, thank you. Those words mean a ton. And every time you read a section of your journal to me, I'm um, deeply moved and you don't have to go through a divorce. You don't have to break your partner's heart or do things that hurt them deeply in order to have this perspective. If you're in a, what you might call a tragic phase of your relationship, or if you haven't hit that point yet, but you might, Just sit in that moment for a minute. And even if it feels icky, you know, maybe it's communication issues a lot of times which start the the problem and you're like, God, this sucks. Like they do not understand me. They are not listening to me or interpreting my needs or showing up in the way that I would like them to. They're not enrolling in the the activities that I would like them to enroll into. Why aren't they into personal development? Why aren't they into evolving this relationship or deepening our connection? Just sit in that moment for a minute because that is the tragic phase. That is step two in the three that can get to this Mm -hmm. post-tragic opportunity where you will look back on that moment and go, I'm so grateful to have gone through that. So I have the context and the polarity to understand how much we've been through and how much we've accomplished, which is what you're articulating right now. Mm -hmm. And so in order to get to that, that deep joy that we were talking about, Um, associated with that third stage of consciousness or conscious relationship in this sense, you have to move through this phase. So one, 
you're on that path. You're on the way. This is very normal. Two, with the tools, with the right work, um, you'll look back on this moment, highlight this moment, and remember it because it will be the beautiful, beautiful context that you'll have as you appreciate how far you've come in the the landscape of your life and relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love you. I, I love you too. And 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 then closing this out with my uh, you know last learning mm-hmm. uh, under the domain of relationships is really complementary to that. If you're in the work, if you're in the work of relationship with your significant other, your partner, you're looking for somebody, even just relationship work at all, don't forget about what is working. Mm -hmm. We get so focused on all of the things that aren't working well and forget to remember how many things feel amazing. And it's not just the fact that they feel amazing. It's that actually spending time and allocating time in the lanes that work will give you momentum such that you can come back to the areas that need a little more work with some some good vibes, with a little extra motivation and, and empathy and compassion. And so uh, why this has come up for me and why I've learned this is we're constantly just jumping into self-development, personal development, whether it's work or our relationship and all these different tools that we can add to our tool belt. And sometimes I definitely forget to just stop and jump back into the lanes of our relationship that we just crush and they're just so awesome and and towards the end of last year we spent so much time in play and joy and we put a pause just for a minute on a lot of the areas that require a little charge a little extra effort to work through because they're challenging or they're new or they're new tools and just spend a little bit of time in the things that we know we do well the presence play joy we spent the holidays like so many sunset walks on the beach, um, so many corny Christmas movies, making some really amazing memories and, and carving out time, calling it an early day more than than usual. And that gave us, I think, such momentum into the new year and into some of the new things that we've been taking on. And, and as I've witnessed other relationships in my life that are in challenge, I want to encourage them like, yo, if you've got a bad shoulder. Let's just say the relationship has a bad shoulder. Your left shoulder is not very good. Don't forget to use your right shoulder for the things that you need to be functional and productive. Don't use the bad shoulder that you're trying to repair to do all of the fucking mm-hmm. chores around the house. <laughs> yeah. Use your right shoulder. Mm-hmm. So in the dynamic of the relationship, if you're good at date night, if you're good at taking care of each other, like lean into those lanes, make sure you're giving yourself a little reprieve so that you're the spots that you are working on have enough time and space to, to work and recover and repair. Don't neglect the ones that are working. I see couples that are 95 out of a hundred nailing it, but all they do is focus on the five. Yeah. And so just really simple shit. Don't neglect the the stuff that's working. Mm -hmm. Like jump, if you you got 10 lanes and eight of them are wide open, why do you just keep hanging out in the two that aren't? Mm -hmm. Jump back into the eight for a minute, get a little momentum. Just like how MDMA therapy works on relationships, like people take ecstasy, people take Molly and their compassion and their empathy is like blown out through the roof. But we don't have to take drugs. Go for a hike together, stare at each other in the eyes after a long day's worth of play or, uh, you know, carve out a little extra time for the two of you to be productive around the house. If that's the thing that gets you going, um, and take that empathy and compassion into the areas that you need to work on a little bit. It it will go a long ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Could not agree more. Very well put. Well, that's it. That's it. Three really six six, learnings from 33. Yeah. And before we go, I got to know 
what is your medicine today? Hmm. My medicine is, as we've shared multiple times on the podcast in the last couple of weeks, um, we've, we've spent the last four weeks up here at Priest Lake at your family lake home. And this week we have your brother Cole and his wife Allie here and they're three little girls. So they have a 16 month old and then two twin baby girls that are six months, m- months old. And my medicine has just been hanging out with their family and enjoying just the the joy that is all that just is surrounding them and swirling around them. Uh, obviously there's a lot, three little baby girls is a lot. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of time, a lot of effort, but there's just so much joy too. And they are some of my favorite people to hang out with. They're so much fun. And these little girls are just a freaking joy. They're such cute, wonderful, just angelic little beings and it's just been fun to spend some real quality time with them yeah yeah for sure no same for me and and i would say my medicine is really really similar this is the longest stint of being around children i've ever had in my entire life this is (laughs) this is going on almost four weeks with kids under the age of seven yeah um, all the time 100 percent of the time 24 hours a day and (laughs) (laughs) while it's been chaotic at times it's also been just what i needed to elicit an inner child response from myself and to remember full body, remember what it was like to Mm -hmm. be playing like they do and to be lost in the present moment like they are. And, um, the, the laughs and the, uh, responsive giggles that I get from children is unlike anything else. And, you know, these are, Mm -hmm. these are portions of my brain and my body that aren't accessed anywhere else, Mm -hmm. uh, except through the, the hilariousness of a child. And yeah. so that has been just absolute medicine. And, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to in a lot of ways, you know, starting a family and, and stepping into that domain as well. Um, and this has been just a perfect preview for that. Mm. So that is complete medicine. Love it. Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. And I hope you guys picked up some nuggets from these lessons and just, you know, um, wherever you're at in your journey, in your lesson learning, just continue to remind yourself if you need to, however many times it takes, um, that the lessons that are available to us actually serve us and they serve the life that we are intentionally creating. These lessons are tools once they are embodied and integrated for us to enjoy our life more. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're just glad that you're with us, glad that you're hanging out with us and glad that um, we're right there in all of the work with you. If any of it resonated, I wanna know. DM me, hit me up, leave a comment. Um, I wanna know what landed. Yeah, love it. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Go spread some light. Okay, bye. bye. Hey friend, thanks for listening. Did you hear anything today that expanded your mind, made you laugh, touched your soul, or caused you to think differently about this topic? I hope so. I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.